My, the message that I like to portray is that it's not wrong or right, it's different. Hello, this is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. I just wrapped up an amazing interview with Carrie Carpenter. She goes by Care Bear Abroad on all the social media handles. You should definitely check out her Instagram and her YouTube page. They are both spectacular. She's been living on the road for years. I've uh, been living in Prague, uh, teaching English, and that's where we met. And we've had some fun adventures together. And I'm excited to bring her back on the show. We catch up for a little bit. And of course, we get into some great information for those who are aspiring travel bloggers, some great experiences to show for it. She packed up her bags from Georgia, came over to travel internationally, and recently she's returned back home. So I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here we go. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode number five. So this is Carrie Carpenter, my good friend Carrie Carpenter from Care Bear Abroad. What, what? <laughs> So uh, give us the uh, two minute rundown on your situation in the last, you know, 12 years or so. 12 years? Yeah. 12 years. Holy shit. That's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I studied abroad in college and that's where the travel bug sort of bit me. Um, and after graduating, I did two study abroads, one to Brazil, one to Trinidad and Tobago. And that really opened my eyes to traveling and this world that we live in. Um, I then decided to move to California to try something different, get out of the South for a little bit. Um, I worked in Newport Beach, California for a health club, and I took a trip to Croatia in 2013. To be honest, I didn't even know where Croatia was on a map when I went. I had a friend that said, hey, I'm going to Croatia on a, on a boat cruise for one week. Do you want to come? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to come. So I had no plans. I didn't do anything. I just booked my ticket. And a month later, I was in Croatia. Um, that trip just changed my life. And so I got back to California and I said, all right, what can I do to um, explore this, this world that we live in more? And I started researching and I found that teaching English was going to be the best route, the best option for me. Um, it was going to allow me to sort of get over into Europe, explore, and then take my options from there to see uh, where it could lead to. So I decided to move to Europe and decided to move to Prague. And I was there for two years teaching English and traveling all over Europe, a little bit of Asia and the Middle East and Africa. And you were supporting yourself exclusively from teaching English well, uh, it started out because I sort of planned this uh, a year. It took me a year. Once I got back from that trip in Croatia, um, I started planning. So I saved uh, quite a bit of money to be able to take over with me to fund more of the travels, whereas me teaching English was, was more of uh, the monetary value was going to sustain my like everyday expenses. Just paying the bills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, I was fortunate and did work a lot, so I, I did use a lot of my money that I use teaching a, teaching English to travel, but for the most part, uh, my savings account was what I used um, to travel for the last two years. Was that a serious, like, conscious decision you had to make to like budget deliberately? Did you have to be pretty disciplined when you're living in California? Because that's not a cheap place to live, 
You got a lot of material temptations around you. There's plenty Absolutely. of uh, fun nights out to be had. Were you like a stand at home to save up or? I, I actually was. Um, I wouldn't say I was, you know, like a, a bear hibernating. Um, I did. The, the good thing about where I lived and in California is I didn't really need a lot of money to do what I was doing. So I lived on the beach so I could ride my bike everywhere. Um, I would walk a lot of places and I really didn't eat out a lot. You're right with temptations, you know, friends going out in LA or having drinks or having dinners. It can, those, those expenses can add up, but I just made a conscious decision to, uh, cut back on those things. And, uh, I had like a percentage of my paycheck every month, uh, that would, or every week that would go towards my travel fund. And then I allotted myself a certain amount to use for, you know, to still have fun and not be, uh, you know, a a bummer but sure. uh yeah i gotcha because you bring the life to the pate what what <laughs> <laughs> so um so i do travel talks these days i do a lot of travel talks uh especially for my book and around europe it's asked to me fairly frequently andy um i'm a solo female traveler is it safe to travel and honestly i can't speak to that from personal experience obviously so i've just been saying yeah it's safe it's generally safe i've always felt safe but that's not it so uh can you speak to that a bit yeah absolutely um i, I mean that's probably the most asked question that i get myself um speaking of i had yesterday uh, a friend that i went to high school with messaged me and said i'm thinking about planning a trip to scotland and i just want to make sure that it's safe there and <laughs> i mean i just had to like take a step back and be like you know, wow. Um, yes, it's absolutely 100% safe in Scotland. Um, yeah. More safe than here, to be honest. And um, through my experiences, now I'll be honest, I have done a lot of traveling, but a lot of it has been with people or groups. I have done some solo female travel as well, and I highly recommend it. But I think my experience as a more experienced traveler, you know, you have to have your wits about you, you sort of have to have the common sense thing. So if you're new to traveling, um, I might suggest uh, doing something with a group, still going by yourself, something like what you put on, like your student tours, just to sort of get your your experience of traveling. And then from there, go to a solo travel because solo traveling isn't for everyone, but I can't encourage it enough because you have no one to make decisions for you. You do everything. Um, you get stuck on a bus or you get lost and then you're like, oh, wow crap, I, I, I have to figure this out. And you're so vulnerable, vulnerable. And then once you realize, and once you find out, like, once you find your way, you're like, hell yeah, I, I just did that. And then you feel on top of the world. And then you feel like you can just sort of conquer anything. So I think that that's like empowerment for yourself for anyone to have. So in short, go for it and just be safe. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it and don't be stupid. Exactly. Uh. And I have felt more say I have felt more unsafe in the United States of America than I have in 57 other countries yeah crazy 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 um any pra like if I said one or two or three things any practical direct points come to mind and I I guess one would be to not try to like stick out <laughs> to blend um, in to do your best to yeah, blend in to blend in and try to act like Don't as be much flashy. as you can it, you yes. know, it doesn't matter if you're staying in a five-star hotel or a hostel. Um, it doesn't make any sense to have big, flashy jewelry. Um, you know, be aware of your surroundings and 
don't uh, be loud or obnoxious or stand out unnecessarily. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, I don't know if you should say this, but honestly, like, especially if like, if you're at hostels or something, like do talk to strangers, like people that you never (laughs) met. Mm -hmm. I know that's kind of opposite of what you, you grow up learning. Don't talk to strangers if you're, you know, on the street, but I've had some of the best times as a solo female traveler. Go and talk to strangers. (laughs) Go talk to strangers because (laughs) you really do. I, I don't know if you want to say that or not, but it's, it's true in the best possible way. But bottom line is it's safe. It's safe to travel, you know, read the State Department warnings ahead of time, understand what's going on, pay attention to the news. Absolutely. But be careful with the news because a lot of times it can portray a different message than yeah. um, than what it is actually, actually like there. So be yeah. careful with the news. But just... Do your research. Google is your best friend. I like yeah. just research. And, it really is. You know. And, you know, just people live in Paris, London, Brussels, uh, you know, Madrid, the places where these attacks happen. And you just mm-hmm. you just got to go about your daily life. And if something's going to happen to you, it's going to happen. And it's going to be over and you won't even know. So it's like, you know, at, at the end of the day, do you live your life on your couch because you're afraid to go out or... Or do you just go at it hoping that? uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) You can't just sit on your couch and wait and be scared. You just got to get out there. And if if what's supposed to happen will happen. Yeah. All right. Switching gears. Let's talk about uh, Care Bear Abroad, how that started. Tell us about that. Well, when I decided to move to Prague, I thought I want to have something to kind of keep my family and friends interested in or have them following what I'm doing. So I started a Facebook page that I wouldn't blow up my personal Facebook feed of all my pictures and things like that. And I had Instagram and I just continued to do what I always love to do, which was take pictures and share those with people. And it just sort of continued to to grow without really me doing much. And then about a year into traveling, um, I started researching and meeting with other bloggers and a lot of people had reached out to me asking me how I was doing what I was doing what I was doing and I really was enjoying helping others and inspiring others to get out there and see the world and experience it so I thought well what can I do um, to to take this further and so then I started kind of branding myself as a social media influencer and I would reach out to hotel brands or tour companies and um, offer sort of my services, which could include anything from taking pictures. I'll do whatever videos. you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't go that far. Come on. Um, you know, and then I just use that to leverage myself as um, a social media influencer. And it's really provided, I'd say over the last year, a lot of more traveling opportunities that I would have, um, I would have never really thought were possible um, if I hadn't just got out there and started traveling. Do you treat it like a business today? Yes. And and at what point did that transition happen from just being a, uh, like sharing it around to it being a thing? Um, about a year ago when I started getting some opportunities for, let's say, free travel. And then most recently in South Africa, I did a lot of, I partnered with a lot of companies and brands and lodges and, and hotels and tour companies. And that was where it really sort of switched gears for me. Whereas now I'm creating content, not only for myself, but for other people. So I was more conscious and aware. And so it really switched from more of a, yeah, more of a a personal thing to a business perspective. And then moving forward, 
that's also my intent and my goal. Um, and with my next trip to Australia, you know, leveraging that as well. So I had linked up my Instagram channel through the Facebook page that automatically linked uh, or posted the pictures from Instagram to Facebook. And what I found is that, um, you know, a lot of different readers or followers or um, do certain channels. So like, for example, I don't like Twitter. I just don't like it. I don't use it. I, I try it. I feel like it's just way too much. But like Instagram is sort of my, let's say, Kate, my, my bread and butter. Um, but I realized that people that are on Facebook don't really, ha a lot of them, a lot of the older generation didn't have Instagram. So it was a way for me to still utilize Instagram, but also catch those Facebook followers as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how many followers do you have on Care Bear Abroad? 15,000 on Instagram right now. And I think I started out with, you know, maybe a couple, maybe like three or 400. So two years ago, wow. 400. Now I know there's a lot of people that, you know, pay for followers and do things like that. Um, I've never done that. I never will. And I'm not, um, and not, I'm not an advocate for that. So well, I'm, I glad, feel, we got, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. It, <laughs> throwing that out there. Yeah. Because, you know, Facebook and uh, Instagram and Google detect that as well. Like yeah, they, they, they've yeah. been developing ways to, to kind of scoop that out of there, but well, there's a, Instagram also sort of changed their algorithms and, um, I've seen over the last several months since they changed that um, the engagement is a little bit different. So it's not happening where you're seeing everyone's photos come up on your feed on Instagram anymore. And so with social media influencers now more than ever, they're trying to get that engagement up and have more people see their see their stuff. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. What, um, I wanna know how you landed that first little gig. What was it and and how did you get that? Um, on Instagram, it's, it's, you know, social media is a beautiful thing. It really is. And especially like in today's society, it's, it's I mean, it's where everyone goes to to get any of their information. Um, so a girl had reached out to me um, on Instagram, she was in Prague and I had messaged back saying, yeah, let's meet up. And we met at a hotel and she had, she has been a travel blogger for a while and started working with brands. And she's like, Carrie, you can, um, you should start reaching out to people. And I was like, really, I can do that. So I, and so she sent me her media kit or press kit and I, my degree was in marketing and I worked in PR. So I'm familiar with things like that. And I was like, okay. And she's like, here's a template of what I sort of do. Why don't you try it? See what happens. And I was like, all right, I will. And the very first email I sent, I got um, a sponsored trip, hotel tours, wine tour, food tour, hiking tour, um, not only for me, but for three other friends. So uh, for four people, basically, let's say totaling, I would say uh, probably a thousand euros worth. And um, to provide social media updates on Instagram and also uh, pictures for them for their website and um, videos as well. So it, then from there, that sort of gave me that encouragement or like, wow, I can, I can really start doing this. Um, this can actually happen. And then I just kept going. And of course, for every, you know, 20 no's, you get one yes or, or whatever. But I've been, I feel like I've been very fortunate with the opportunities that I've been granted so far. When was your first pig gig and and how did that happen? Um, I was, someone reached out to me about posting something on Instagram. And at first I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, because it wasn't something that really aligned with 
with like who I was. So I think I, I think there's a barrier in a lot of these blo- this in this blogger world, or if you will, if that's what you want to call it, social media world. People I think sometimes in the might be quick to sell. Yeah, might be quick to like sell out or do something because you might get paid. And um, something didn't. It was a brand that just didn't really. I really had nothing to do with me. So I was like, I don't really, you know, see the the benefit in this. And it, I, I I don't want to be dishonest to the people that you know follow me and and. So I said no, um, but then the next one, it was a travel-related brand, and I was like, okay, um, I think this this will work. So yeah, and those are those are far and few between. Where I guess for my experience, that I found um, a good, I have probably about three or four brands that I work with now currently as a brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. Did you see a noticeable difference in the fact that you learned how to use uh, uh, Apple iPhone, yeah. um, iMovie app to create? Uh, short little travel snippets yeah I think um I guess just it's a lot of it was a lot of self teaching and um with phones and the iPhone and the app you know these days it makes it everything's really accessible for you to be able to sort of learn at your own fingertips or at your own pace and when you're traveling a lot doing using the app was really good um to sort of make quicker videos I do prefer now using better quality, so a better camera, and then putting that footage onto a hard drive, and then moving on to the big oh, iMovie wow. versus graduated. the app. I have. I'm yeah. still stuck back on the phone. Yeah, the I mean, the, now the iPhone quality is amazing. I'm not. I'm not going to say that it's not, but just for what I'm doing, I feel like uh, it's just better to have a better quality stuff. I'm just real excited about this drone that I'm going to be getting soon. What <laughs> is that? Is that a sponsor deal? No, but maybe I should work on that. <laughs> um, obviously. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about you. You've come a long ways in your video production because some of the first stuff you made last year in Vietnam was cool. But I mean, we went uh, bungee jumping uh, earlier this spring and you put together your a really cool video. And you've really <laughs> improved in your production quality as well. I mean, like a little teaser, sh- like the whole clip and then some blooper in the back. Like it's uh, it, was, it turned out well. well well, thank you. I think after just doing it for years and years, and then when you, you start, you just learn as you go. And so yeah. I learn things. Every new video I make, I learn something new. And then I just try to incorporate that with moving forward in the in the rest of the videos. I but. love experimenting in different ways, like doing a montage and doing like fast, yeah. slow. Um, I was recently at the travel blogging conference in Stockholm um, with a lot of other you know content creators, social media bloggers whatever you want, whatever you want to call them. And, um, I really learned a lot and they had a lot of, they were saying that the future of sort of traveling and media is going towards video. So I feel like I'm, I kind of got to up in the game a little bit, um, just cause I've got a jump start on it, but, um, there's so much more to learn and I'm still, I still, I'm a beginner, you know, people are pumping out ridiculous content on YouTube, crazy yeah. creative videos and you got personalities, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Out there. Yeah, there's so many different types that you can do or do all of them if you want and um, and I guess in your personal brand. But YouTube's a really tough channel to, to – it's the second largest search engine after Google. But the problem is, is it's – Exactly. The, that's the problem is that it's, it's not like with Facebook. And so when you, and when you put – when you post something on Facebook that's from YouTube – it doesn't, it's not going to like show up in people's feeds because they don't want it to because YouTube and Facebook are essentially, com- uh-huh. I mean, you know, competitors. So, so you got to um, post on Facebook- both channels. 
Exactly. Well, so what Facebook is trying to do is have you just upload the video on Facebook. Now, if you do that, you're going to get a lot more views than let's say if you caught you share it from YouTube. It's not going to like show up and people aren't going to see it as much. So there's a whole world out there of, of monetizing that. What what have been some of your if you're going to share two or three kind of trade secrets, what have been your biggest lessons? The first and most important, and you'll probably see and read this if you read blogs a lot, is just be you. Be yourself. And that really comes through. I can tell when I see a picture that someone posts that's not genuine or, you know, it's not something that they're truly feeling. Um, yeah, so I think just being you. And that really, uh, I think, portrays and, and expresses who you are. And I think that's the, the most important thing when you're create if you're trying to create some sort of brand for yourself. Um, the second thing is uh, trial and error. Like things are going to not work. Sometimes I'll make a video and I think it's amazing. Or sometimes I, I'll post a picture and I like really take the time to edit it and to make sure it's like the best photo. And maybe it doesn't get as many, let's say likes. And then I'll just throw up one randomly that I don't like, didn't really put a lot of effort into. And it like doubles that, that what, so sometimes there's a lot of, time of day. So knowing who your readers are, knowing where your followers are at, um, and sort of trying to keep on a steady schedule of posting things regularly. Because it's not necessarily all related to the quality of what you just posted. You're saying that there's external influences, like if you post it at the right time of day for them to see it in the morning or stuff like that. Yeah. So timing of day is a huge thing. And that's, you just have to learn the demographics of your audience and where they're from and then mm -hmm. base that off of that. Would you, um, when you were thinking about creating content, pictures, videos, etc., um, did you have like your target demographic in mind? To be honest, um, I think like females and around my age group was the initial sort of target audience, let's say. But, um, you know, I have guys reach out to me a lot and also family members, older um, people that are like the my parents' generation um, reach out to me for advice, uh, things to do, and comment on my video. So I think it's just expanded. But I would say initially, and probably most most of the people that um, are following are, are around 25, 35 female travelers. When it comes to the big retail stores, they have like a name for their person they know exactly who that avatar is that they're going after and they can describe exactly what she wears what she eats what she does that sort of thing um mm -hmm. have you ever considered it in that level of detail um no i haven't actually but that's a really good uh, way to look at it like they call <laughs> like abercrombie and fitch call it like sally or something you know and like yeah. or, or amanda of course it's a abstract thing but they refer to it in very specific terms um, and I know that a lot of entrepreneurs use that, um, when, uh, when they're involved in creating content for them. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And, and, uh, I think I might try to create one of those. Thanks to you. <laughs> All right. Good luck coming up with your Sally. Tell me what she uh, does. <laughs> well, you got to think of, we'll think of a name for her right now. Not uh, Sally. <laughs> give me a name. <laughs> Petra. It has to be a, a Czech name. <laughs> Sharinka. Pet Petra Katka. Katka. <laughs> Kachka Pakova. <laughs> Got it. That's my avatar hey, name. Hey, what are some of the uh, Czech words that you know? Nasklado, Dobriden, Nasdravi. Cheers. You got to know that. Nasklado, Nasklado, or Naskla for short. I like Naskla. 
little bit a little bit more informal. I was thinking of Glasgow, but uh, with an N. Glasgow. <laughs> NASA. <laughs> that sounds a little country right there. I kind of dragging it yeah, out. Yeah, but Czechs love it. They're like, look at this guy. <laughs> this episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by Detours. Travel your own way. Detours include your sightseeing and accommodation reservations in each city you're going to so you can show up and connect the dots at your own pace. Have all the fun, but none of the headache. It's like a guidebook that makes the reservations for you. Pick a city and date at andysteves.com, book your detour, and then spend your time on the fun stuff like finding farmer's markets and restaurants, bars and neighborhoods and districts that you want to go to because the detour package takes care of everything else two or three nights accommodation, and key sites included. Learn more and book your adventure today at andysteves.com. So um, I want to talk about what it's like to live in Prague and how you supported yourself. For me, it's always been... It's bizarre. I have a re-entry period here in the States where I can walk down the street and overhear everything and have everybody overhear what I'm saying, you know, and, and understand it. When you're on the streets of Prague or Budapest or Krakow, you get kind of used to being able to just say almost anything. Not that you're going out and being crazy on the streets, but just like you can have a fairly personal conversation on the middle of Charles Bridge and understand that most people aren't going to even, you know, understand what you're saying in passing. Mm -hmm. So I guess I should start too by saying why Prague. And I, I chose Prague for a couple different reasons. Um, the majority or the main ones being one, it was centrally located in Europe. So I knew that I had the goal of wanting to travel around Europe and Prague was a sort of a central location. So that was good. Two, um, it's one of the cheaper European countries. So if someone is looking to, towards moving to Europe and doing something similar like this, uh, it's a good country to start because it's a little bit cheaper um, than the surrounding countries on the Euro. And the third reason, as an American um, and visa issues, it was after my research, it was one of the better countries to uh, sustain a longer traveling time or a longer period staying there by getting on um, a visa. So for those three reasons, I chose Prague. Interesting. So maybe there's more long-term visas issued or available to Americans in other countries or like less competition. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe Italy might offer more, but they have many, many more people applying, that sort of thing. Well, the thing with, um, let's say maybe the more westernized, so like your, your Spain, Italy, um, France, Germany, places like that, uh, yeah, the demand is a lot higher. They're all pretty and, mainstream. Yeah, and also um, for teaching English, uh, they a lot of people do it illegally, and um, which is which is you know a lot of people do it. Um, I I knew that I didn't want to do it that way. That I wanted to do it right. So the, another reason why I chose Prague was because I knew that I could legally do it and do it the right way and the proper way instead of um, you know staying in a country illegally and over my time. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I got my TEFL certificate. Um, I signed up for a TEFL certification. So there's two different ways. You can go online and get it online before you go uh, overseas, or you can um, get it in a specific country. So what I did was I planned a six weeks of traveling, just kind of me doing my own thing before I got to Prague. And then I took my TEFL course in Prague. 
It was a month-long course. It was basically me in school for one month. Um, and it was intense. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy. Um, a lot of people say, you know, it's like a piece of cake teaching English. And well, yes, it is, you know, it is easy, but it's a different type of work. Um, and going, it was like going back to school and I was at the time 27. So I haven't been in school in seven years. And so it was just a new homework. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was very intense. I was student teaching on my fourth day. So fourth day of class, I'm getting up in front of people teaching. So it's pretty intense. It's pretty scary. So I took the course for one month in Prague and then that course or that school will sort of help, um, help set you up. They don't find jobs for you, but there's a lot of resources that they give you and they provide to be able to find it on your own. So I was able to, through that school and through other websites that people had told me about, um, and Googling things, I was able to find several language schools to work for and then private lessons. So I sort of or contracted myself out with language schools and um, myself. It's nice to be able to contract with yourself sometimes. <laughs> um, so how did that contracting yourself out go in terms of did you end up focusing more on private lessons or uh, going through yeah. the course? Well, the good thing about language schools is that it's more consistent work and guaranteed work. So if money is a, an issue for you, then going with the language schools is a more consistent uh, work, but you get paid less. Now with private lessons, um, there's websites where you can find people who want private tutors, um, which you can charge a, a lot more. So for example, um, through a language school, I might get paid 300 crowns, but for a private lesson, I would, bucks an hour. yep. And for a private lesson, I would charge, um, 500 crowns. So 500 that's crowns about 25 bucks. $20. Yeah. 20. A little, a little less than, yeah. So you can see the, the difference there, but with the private lessons, you know, sometimes people cancel and you have to be very diligent with them to sort of reschedule or, you know, people get sick and things like that happen. Now with the language school, if someone cancels on you, you're still guaranteed that, that pay. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both. And that's why I chose to do both of them so that I could kind of have a, um, a balance between the two. And um, I, I liked my private lessons because I could make my own schedule and I could that, which would allowed me to travel more frequently and utilize sort of long weekends the best that I could. Did you treat it at Prague as like, okay, you're not backpacking full time, but that's kind of nice to be able to have a home base and then use that as a base to skip around to other places. Yeah, absolutely. Just what you said. I use Prague as sort of my home base. So I would say on average, once a month I was gone somewhere else. Uh, for a long weekend or, you know, a week trip somewhere, sometimes twice a month um, and using Prague as my home base. Yeah. So you studied marketing, you market yourself, you're your own brand in terms of both uh, teaching English and Care Bear Abroad. Have there been any marketing surprises, you know, that are like, wow, this isn't what the book said? Um, so for me, I, as, as a marketing major, I feel like usually with these companies or hotel, let's say a hotel or a brand, you have an end goal or you have an end result that you want to happen. So for you doing this, you know, X needs to happen or, or whatever. And so sometimes when I am working with some of these brands, they don't necessarily give me a clear direction on their end goal. Like what do they want me to achieve for them? Is it just exposure? Then, okay, that's great. And so um, I found it difficult at times because they don't really give me a, a, a clear direction as to what they want, how they want it done. You know, do they want a YouTube where it's a, a video where it's more vlog style 
or do they want it more um you know have you created a survey to anticipate that uh ambiguity um no i haven't but that's a good idea you it's should really have like idea. a 10 question survey or, or questionnaire that uh, like a design yeah. brief so it's just like yeah. a, a survey to get people um to articulate exactly what they're looking for that's what yeah. web designers do ahead of time because a lot of people are like i just want a website but yeah you know you have to take that from an idea into okay how many pages how many different templates how many different formats yeah. you know yeah. wordpress or squarespace or custom cms all, all these different things um and yeah. i don't even know what i'm talking about uh, um, uh that's the obvious. website world is like that's why i haven't really blogged at all and why i don't like to write is i feel like it's just it's not my thing. My outlet or creative outlet it to share is through pictures and videos. And so I prefer that versus writing Picture books. A, an article. Yeah, and cartoons. Exactly. That's where it's at. So what does, um, you know, if Care Bear is a brand, what does it stand for? Like, do you have any sort of mission or anything like that? Um, really, it's just <laughs> to, to travel, to go out there and do it. Um, I always say, like, I guess my, not my, my, your mantra. Uh, yeah. My, my, the message that I like to portray is that it's not wrong or right. It's different. And that has really been like, that stuck with me, um, for years and years when someone first told me that, um, and it was me sort of getting out of my comfort zone and doing things that maybe I wouldn't normally do and being vulnerable. And so that's always stuck with me. So I think traveling really teaches you exactly that is to get out there learn experience and um so my mission and my goal is to really inspire and encourage others to experience the world instead of reading it um you know online or on the computer or seeing it through the media to get out of there and see it for yourself with your own eyes yeah exactly and and so you are you see yourself as an example of how you can make it happen absolutely i do yeah? Right. yeah do you have any parting words for us parting words of wisdom just go. That's all I got to say. Nike. Just go. Just do it. Instead of just do it, just go. Just go. Carrie Carpenter, Care Bear Abroad, just go. Where can we find your social media stuff? So the website is carebearabroad.com. Um, and then Facebook, Instagram handle at Care Bear Abroad. And YouTube is Carrie Carpenter. There you go. When's, when and where is your next adventure? Um, my next destination is Australia. I leave January 31st and I'm starting to plan that now. So as of now, I don't have any direct plans, but I'll be there for at least three months or prefer maybe more, maybe less. We'll see. Wow. All right. We'll have to check that out. Thank you, Carrie, <laughs> with Care Bear Abroad, and hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, give us a like. Check out our show notes where we'll put up all sorts of relevant links and uh, give us a comment. Happy travels and uh, have a good one, guys. Cheers. Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.